0: Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Emily Mischler on the line. Emily, how are you?
1: I'm doing so well, Michael. Thanks so much. How are you doing?
0: I'm great and thank you for being on the show. You've got a really interesting background and it's when I say investing and cats, it, it, a lot of people are going to go, what do you mean? So tell us a little bit about your backstory and uh, it's going to make people curious. I know that's kind of a pun. I apologize for that, but it was there and I had to take it. So, so share, share a little bit about you and, and this amazing work that you do.
1: Sure. So about six years ago, I founded a, my first company. I was at the age of 22, a um, little bit younger than some, a little bit older than some, but in my mind and also in the, the way that my life's worked out, it ended up being the perfect time. So that was through my education at Purdue. I was able to found my first company that was an impact-based um, social entrepreneurship initiative that I was working on, that has transformed, transmuted, I've grown, I've learned into what I now run. It's a company called The Cultivated Group. So what we do, it's an impact-based, all social impact-driven initiatives that we're working on through different clients. A lot of what we do is service-based, and we work in three different kinds of consulting. So one of which is the nonprofit space. A lot of it's development work. Some of it is a little bit of investing. A lot of it is basically the way I like to think about it, is connecting the servant's heart to the business brain. Because I think sometimes when we get caught up in the day-to-day of the actual operations that we're trying to run, it can get really muddy and it can get really, um, we tend to zoom in and focus and kind of miss the miss the actual elephant that's standing right in front of us. We get so into the details. So our role as the Cultivated Group is really coming in and helping nonprofits to be able to connect both the brain and heart and in order for them to also be profitable businesses. So we do that in the nonprofit space. We do that in the for-profit space with smaller startups and also those looking for funding. And we also have just launched a new initiative in the creative space, which is some website development. But the thing I'm really excited about and really Curious About Myself is um, a little boutique publishing firm that we've started that has actually just launched its first three books. Well,
0: that's awesome. And as an author, I always love hearing about new publishers that are out there because it's easy to, I shouldn't say easy, but for some of us, it's easy to put a book together and put it out on uh, that bookstore that rhymes with Amazon. Uh, they're, They're not a sponsor if they'd like to sure. I, I, give you them, I, give, I give them enough money. They should at least give me something. <laughs> back. But, but, you know, going through, you know, a publisher, it's such a, a more rich experience. It, it helps you kind of navigate through uh, the process of what it means to create a book that first was an idea and get it to paper and then get it in people's hands. And it's, it's an amazing journey. And uh, even though it may look at the surface of, well, that's kind of a hard shift from everything else you're doing. I actually think there's some potential opportunities there, especially for the angel investing in the organizations and the startups, because many times those organizations are starting up because of a story. Was something that they saw or experienced in life, they overcame those challenges and now they launched a business to address it. And there's many, I mean, my organization is a great example of that. So, there, and I know there's a ton more like that. So there's definitely a funnel potentially for for that aspect as well. So congratulations to you on that. So for, for startups that are Fumbling around, and they would maybe consider some investment to help them grow to the next level. You know, what are some things that they could do to better prepare themselves? in order to be successful because a lot of people say well i started up a company and i need three million dollars well, that, and that's nice i think we'd all be happy to get three million dollars for
1: something exactly
0: what what do you have you know so what are, what are some things that they could do to prepare themselves so that they would be looked upon at least neutral if not favorably by an angel investor or a, a startup investor that's looking to invest in a new organization
1: Absolutely. I mean, something that we look for when we look in clients is look for clients and are looking to work with someone new is really looking at the clarity that they have, not only necessarily for themselves and as an executive team or as a set of founders or even an individual founder, but really looking at the clarity in the sense of purpose that they have in whatever they're trying to bring into the world. I mean, I think we live in an age and I think we all have have known and seen this, we're more connected than we ever have been. And we're also simultaneously more isolated than we ever have been. So it can be really easy to fall privy to other people's expectations or other people's opinions if we're not used to going inward and we're not used to um, seeking advice from those who are already in positions that we want to be in. So that's something that I would really advise people who are either looking for funding or looking kind of at the next level whether they're in more of a just really true startup phase whether they're actually growing their business past that point of just conception or whether they're really looking to scale that clarity of mission vision values purpose really the core core variables of what your organization is and does and having that at the heart of every decision that you're making especially from the get-go is something that we really look for and encourage because without that clarity I, i mentioned it was we're in this place where we're so connected and yet simultaneously isolated it can be really it can get really easy and be really easy to get distracted and really easy to get confused and that oftentimes we've found has actually really deterred our some of our clients and some of our prospects from actually accomplishing the goals that they want to because they get distracted and that's okay i mean we're all human right but if this truly is something that you want to help nurture and bring into the world then it takes a really intentional heart space and brain space to be operating from. And that's something that we really look forward to. Yeah.
0: You know, a lot of people, and I run into this a lot with entrepreneurs that burn out, you know, they overcommit themselves and they try to do too much. And yeah. you know, a lot of times they'll beat themselves up. Well, I shouldn't have done that. And I should have done that. And I, I tell them, is it the things that you signed up for and the things that you became involved in were all great things they weren't like foolish where the mistakes were was you try to do all of them it's like going to the buffet and saying i want one of everything on this small plate it's it's not going to work you shouldn't eat everything anyway it's not good for your health but that's a completely (laughs) different analogy but you you figure out what you want and the clarity the mission the vision the values Why do you exist? And, you know, I I, I served in an organization many years ago and uh, board of directors were constantly suffering from shiny object disease. They wanted to be everything, do everything. And finally, one of the board members literally stood up from the boardroom table and said, people, who are we? What's our organization? What are we supposed to do? Why are we here? We do that. And that's the sniff test. Does this thing fit there? If it doesn't fit, we don't need to add anything onto it right now because we got to make sure this works. If it's a branch off or another endeavor maybe down the road, it's not like you're throwing it away and saying no, but you can just park it somewhere and say, okay, maybe there'll be a better time for that to come in because otherwise... You spend all your time with these half-baked ideas and concepts. And when the investment companies are going, well, what do you have? Well, we've got this 20% of this and 10% of this and 5% of this. And we're really cooking at 55% on this one. They're going to like, you don't have anything. There's nothing here. So that's great advice for people. It's like, just figure out what the pain points are of what you're trying to solve. And do those really narrow and then once that grows then you can look around and go well is this an opportunity but having that as a foundation gives you a fighting chance to stick (laughs) around because we we know the stats of startups and and, and most of them do not fare well and i would guess the majority of them fail because they just didn't focus on all the stuff you know the money thing of course comes into play but that's not that's not the key reason. It's like you weren't narrow enough to figure out what you were supposed to do.
1: Yeah. But I think sometimes there's this shame that comes along with not niching, either not niching down quickly enough, or also not feeling like you have the right information in order to get into the narrow space that you want to be in. But there's no shame in exploration. What there can be shame and something that i found even within our our own organization is just the lack of follow through is something that we can't tolerate anymore. If, if it is truly aligned with what we are trying to accomplish. So one of the key takeaways that we leave with people oftentimes and also one of the things that we use as our own litmus test is looking at a problem or a situation and asking for what? All caps, for what? If we can't answer it, it's not important enough for us to be focusing on. And it's, it's really as simple as that.
0: It's crucial, and I'm a big advocate for using a CRM system. It doesn't matter what you use, because there's a ton of great ones out there. Some are free. Some are more expensive than all of our homes combined, but they still do the job. But figure out what works for you and use it, because... And time and time again, I find organizations and those individuals and teams that are successful are the ones that follow up, They keep track of it. And I do that all the time, even from a speaking standpoint, because I speak publicly and speak at a lot of events. And I've been able to land events just because I followed up with them when they said to follow up with them. And they said, you know what, we're glad you followed up because your talk would actually work out really well right now if i just blew it off and filed it away somewhere and like oh what about that organization didn't pay attention i would have lost out on that opportunity Mm -hmm. because i was persistent and gave them what they needed it a lot it landed me a speaking gig that if i didn't follow up i would not have got because they weren't going to reach out to me and that's i think that's one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make is they think that other party is going to reach out to me. I'll take the initiative and reach out to them. Yep. And it, it makes such a huge difference. And it, it makes you stand out amongst everybody else because most people don't follow up on things. And it's amazing. It's yep. right there.
1: Yep, absolutely. And even if you're not asked to follow up, keep them on your mailing list. Keep them engaged in the conversation that you're attempting to have, especially as you're niching down because that generates interest. And I think sometimes people will take one no in business as a hard no full stop redirect to the next shiny object when in fact no doesn't necessarily mean no forever it might just be no for now and there's no shame in tucking things away like that and keeping things and people in your rolodex to be able to access later because eventually there may be a time where it is helpful.
0: A very good friend of mine uh she jointly connected with this other individual and the two of them knew each other for years and were trying to figure out a way to work together and nothing was clicking. It took seven years and then they finally found something where it worked where they could collaborate on something. Seven years. But they were persistent. They're like, okay, what what are you working on now? Well, this is what I'm working on now. They look at it like, no, won't work. But then last year was this breakthrough. I saw this joint email come from the two of them on this project they're working and i i emailed them back at their private emails because i had those and i'm like is this april fool's joke (laughs) we're actually working together and they said do you believe it and i said no that's why i'm emailing you i don't believe this but about time you know but so it's it's just those things and and when you from an investment standpoint or from a collaboration standpoint, it's if you work with people that you like and you trust and you connect with and have similar values may not be identical, but similar. um, That's when magic can happen. If you take the time and and, and sort it out, may never pan out in something official, but unofficially or even a referral type of situation. And we'll talk about, Justin Breen for a brief second here um, you know, so many of us I think are disciples of Breen uh, because he's connecting with so many different people on so many different levels in, in different arenas doing different things but it's, it, it's amazing to see Um, it's a, it's a roadmap that is absolutely amazing of of the work that he does. Um, this is just kind of a test to see if he listens to my show. I'm kidding.
1: No, but seriously, you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: It's him him and I'd say him and my mom, but my mom doesn't listen.
1: (laughs) Yet, Um, yet.
0: Yeah, exactly. Come on, mom, you know.
1: I'm, I'm, the, but I I'm, 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 I'm,
0: I'm the only one of your two sons that actually has a show. At least I don't think my brother has a show. He's never said <laughs> so maybe, maybe he does. That would be ironic. But, but anyway, it, it all boils down to, you know, it's a relationship game. It's a knowing what you want to do, being really crystal clear and having clarity on things. And when you do that, That's it it opens doors. It makes things a bit easier. Not easy, but easier. So.
1: And even with within the context of your friend's story but having the courage and conviction to say no when it wasn't the right time that's something too that can only come through the clarity that we're talking about and i think a lot of people sometimes can overlook they think that every opportunity may be the right opportunity for them and that's when i think burnout comes into play that's when overextension comes into play that's honestly when physical emotional spiritual self neglect comes into play and those things are not necessarily things that you want in the businesses that you are trying to grow taking care of yourself as a founder and also as someone who is nurturing this startup nurturing yourself is also a really important piece of this this formula and this pie that is not a one-size-fits-all deal and having the conversation and even just adding that to the conversation i think is a really important piece to talk about
0: Yeah, when I work with people um, that are burning out and I give them some ideas and I talk with them, it's not a cookie cutter approach. Because as you said, everyone is different. I wake up early. I know many people. I'll pick on my brother for a second. He's not an early person. I've known that because I'm older. I've known it his entire existence. And I know that. And I took advantage of that at an early stage in life. I don't do that now. But I know he's not awake yet. I'm not going to reach out to him on things. And I've worked with people that definitely you don't want to talk to before 1130 in the morning. It's just not a good idea. But (laughs) When I I tell people, okay, start off your day and have some routines that work for you. That could work at 5am or that could work at 11am or that could work at 2pm. It just figure out what works for you. And, And that's the same thing with nurturing yourself and taking care of yourself, especially in this working from home world that we find ourselves in, that taking those breaks are important. When you take them should match up when you need them and it makes sense for you to do them instead of, okay, it's 2.15 p.m. It's time for my afternoon break. Well, if if that works for you and it, it makes sense, then by all means do it. But if it would make you feel better if you took it maybe a little later or earlier, then you know have that flexibility to be able to do that and when you do that then you start operating in a rhythm and when you operate in a rhythm and a flow your stress levels decrease and you're less likely to burn out for sure
1: Yep. and for my team and i that's that flow and that kind of intuitive leaning into what we need and what we don't and different work styles and flows leaning leaning into the natural rhythm that is that is where all the creative magic happens for us
0: in speaking of magic, let's talk about this curious cat. Um, that's the other aspect of your life. So uh, let's 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 end everyone's curiosity and, and bring it to light. So tell us. I
1: know everybody's chomping at the bit. Exactly. <laughs> so They're like, what is this
0: cat stuff, yeah.
1: <laughs> So uh, about two years ago, I finished up a master's degree in business. I was trying to figure out what was next. At that point, I was working in corporate philanthropy and doing this entrepreneurial work on the side. So at that point, we were building out a team. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and really also to figure out what the next steps to bridge the gap between where I was currently living, what I was doing, and what I wanted to do in my dream world, bridging the gaps between those two Arenas. So as I was doing that, I ended up realizing there was a really beautiful pivot point at which I was finishing this master's. I could wrap up the role that I had in corporate philanthropy. I could explore, experiment, lean into really the discovery process of self-discovery and also more of the world. And it would make sense, more sense than it might at other times in my life. So I leaned in and I started, I just started traveling full time by myself. I started off going from the US, where I'm based, to Hong Kong, bought a one way plane ticket, um, met up with a couple friends, worked on a couple consulting projects, and continued my way around the world alone. All of this I kept off of social media because I realized that I wanted it to be more of a personal self-exploration and also world exploration experience rather than an Instagram or social media-driven experience. But really quickly realized about, it was about six months in, I realized that the lessons that I was learning and the opportunity that I had to do this was, was not one that is necessarily common and not one that I was taking lightly, but one that I felt like I could share. And I didn't really know at that point what the sharing would look like and just started to explore what that could look like. It took about three months and I really started to just poke around and, and I, I naturally am very, very curious too. I have always been driven by kind of an insatiable curiosity, whether it is within industry or within business or within, I mean, art or play, or I was, as a kid, I was always creating things and always doing things and kind of the innovator entrepreneurial spirit has always been there as has a creative spell. So I realized that The thing that we weren't hitting, we worked with a lot of organizations who do impact children, and I I deeply love and care about children very, very much myself. But one of the things that we hadn't been able to quite do yet was really get into the homes of individuals. And we wanted to be able a part of uh, of the operational model that we have is the quote from Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. And as I was traveling, one very consistent thing that I noticed in any country, despite any differences that are either cultural or projected by the media or anything like that one we're all human period and two kids are pretty much all the same i mean the same tantrums that you have a two-year-old in x country is very similar to the kind of tantrum you have in another country but also their joy and their curiosity and their kindness and general elements of being a good human are completely consistent despite cultural differences so noticing that and being able to have some of the experiences, not only through the travel, but also the incredible people and explorative um, just connections and relationships that I made while I was traveling made me realize that the one of the ways that we weren't being the change we wished to see in the world was really getting into the minds and hearts of kids on an international scale. We were through some of the work that we were doing, but not all. And then I just started kind of playing with the idea and realized that we could it just kind of happened. I mean, it, organically, this book series happened. Um, but just realized that that was the right next step for us. So since we have, it's been eight months now since we published our first book, and we published three in the subsequent months, um, we're now creating curriculum guides for not only stay-at-home parents and guardians who are looking after their kids, but creating free resources for teachers to be able to also help just develop from a very holistic perspective, good humans who are curious and genuine and kind and really exhibiting, um, ex- exhibiting a lot of connection through the different cultural experiences that this cat, her name is Esme the Curious Cat, and that's also what the series and brand is called. But really leaning into the experiences that she has to teach kids about different experiences they may not otherwise be accessible on their front door right now. So very long-winded explanation, but that's kind of where it came from, and um, that's that's where we're at right now. I'm I'm so honored to be able to have the privilege to do something like this because it's not something that I expected, but cannot wait to see where it goes.
0: I mean, I, I, I could think of just so many different directions that it will take. One, you know, this the story, and and I love the fact that you said, you know what, I'm gonna go against the trend here and I'm not going to post anything on social media because that's the natural thing for many of us. doesn't matter what demographic or age or anything like that. It's just something that we've been accustomed to in society to take that intentional step and say, I'm not going to post this. And you did this and you're going, wait a minute, I'm learning something here along this journey that I'm taking and I need to document it in such a way and i'm sure you probably thought well i could write a book about it or a journal or this or this but then you connected with something that your organization has wanted to do and wasn't quite able to crack that nut yet and you realize wait a minute there's something here the fact that you've got a book series alone on um, you know the experiences of all that and making you know this world better from our children's standpoint, and that's the best place to start because they learn this is how the world is supposed to be with love and compassion and curiosity. You raise generations like that, then all of a sudden our world changes,
1: and that's the kind of world I want to live in. I mean, that's exactly. I don't have any children at the moment, but that's the kind of environment that I would love to be able to bring children into and really foster that kind of humanity
0: yeah yeah and and especially how connected we are I know we're connected (laughs) and we're also isolated but the connectivity of the world and yes children from every country are, are different, you know, living in Toronto most of the time that I do, and we see a ton of different cultures here, and I've seen the kids, and, you know, my, one of my kids were in school, saw, you know, every every race imaginable, um, and I looked at them, and they're like, they're all behaving the same, they're all crazy, <laughs> so it's like, it's like, they're just really spinning in 18 different
1: directions, <laughs> and, and
0: I'm thinking to myself, teachers are underpaid.
1: And, no, seriously, though. No. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, well, we're finding that out with all of the parents that have had to become teachers over the last few months. Yep. Uh, I'm surprised there isn't pickets of parents saying, "Yes, we want the teachers to have more money." That was torture, uh, but we'll
1: you know, know, I feel like there will be. They're just too occupied right now with actually educating their kids,
0: exactly, and navigating everything else. But you know, the curriculum uh, uh, and you know that this will lead to and because. You know, Teachers love teaching new stuff and new stuff that is actually in touch with what humanity in the world needs now and is starving for. And you put that in the classrooms and it makes for healthier classrooms and it just permeates and it has this huge ripple effect across the globe. And all of a sudden, we see newer generations of just people collaborating and no judgment and you know, taking all of their gifts and their skills and their heritage to make the world truly better. And, you know, Gandhi, Gandhi had it right. And you know, his mission was to do this. And, you know, there's so many of us out there that are like, okay, yeah, that, that's the world I want to live in. You know, imagine a world that, you know, that we could have this type of situation than what we see in the media. And I think sometimes the media glamorizes, bad it's not all bad um, there's good in this world it's just we need to, as individuals need to look for it and focus on it and it's yeah. there it's and there. i think
1: there. cultivating an awareness for what to even look for or cultivating an awareness of what it looks and feels like to be engaged in something like that is something that we're also seeking to do
0: that's amazing that's amazing so emily i've loved our conversation today where can people find out about you and this awesome work you're doing
1: Sure. So Esme the Curious Cat has her own social and also website. It is EsmeTheCuriousCat.com, as well as her Facebook and Instagram profiles are Esme the Curious Cat. Um, The Cultivated Group, which are the organizations that I run that Esme is also a part of, the website is called TheCultivatedGroup.co. We also have social profiles and also a Pinterest, if you're curious, um, for any tips and tricks that we have. It is just at Group.
0: Perfect. And I'll have all that information in the show notes. So Emily, thank you for this amazing work you're doing. Uh, I appreciate it. And it's making the world a better place. So thank you for your time today.
1: Likewise, Michael. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Breakfast Leadership Show, part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.